0: Hello, I am Casey. I'm a compulsive reader and a bulimic. I want to thank Ellie and Accenture for asking me to share and Nick for supervising me. Um, um, My story is unusual. It probably isn't unique. I don't know if it is, but it's unusual. And when I share at large groups, I try to make it less about the particulars and more about the things we have in common. The first step of the first, so the first word of the first step is we. So I'm going to get my particulars out of the way and then talk about the spiritual stuff because that we all have in common. Uh, my particulars are that I've almost died from food-related causes, not counting uh, food poisoning I've had in the last year or so, uh, five times. Uh, my mother had toxemia. I mean, I met, my, me and my metabolism are not friends. Uh, my or I guess i like learned that we are friends, that we the same thing, but I walked in this program thinking we were not friends. Um, what, um, my mother had toxemia. I was induced, so I was being poisoned in the womb. <clears throat> I was uh, born with something they called celiac. Uh, it probably isn't, because I I know that celiac is uh, uncurable but it was its first cousin or whatever it was. And for the first two and a half years of my life, I lived on only soy milk and eventually soy milk and bananas. I then got over whatever that was, and at the age of six developed the case of those scary, scary allergy stories uh I was allergic to more things than I wasn't until I was about twelve. I broke out in hives and uh was only hospitalized once over that event, but um you know, a long list of foods I couldn't eat um I was not by any means obsessed with food; I had a not passionate affair with food. Uh, during that time i didn't resent it enormously i'll get to my life in a minute but um from time i was 12 till the time i was 21 i had a normal supposedly metabolism and relationship with at 21 i became a type 1 diabetic all of those first four events none of them were in any you know except deeply psychological way if you think of it that way i don't uh, caused by me the fifth one was caused by me and that's what got me in this program Uh, The fifth one was in 2001. Uh, I was in New Hampshire causing, I wasn't living in New Hampshire, I was already living here, so I'll back up in a minute, but I caused uh, myself to go into extreme ketoacidosis. I was hospitalized. Um the father or the my father, the father, maybe the father too, but my father uh asked um the doctor at that point if I would live. He was with me. He said, I think so. I've only read about this in textbooks. Well it was because he was in a small hospital in a small town in New Hampshire. I knew I would live, I'd been sicker in my life before, but I was in and out of consciousness, so nobody was asking me, I would have assured my father. So uh, you know, um what my story is i grew up in new york city i was raised by a true narcissist to be diagnosed by people besides her daughter and uh, and, uh it was not easy you know i was supposed to be exactly who she wanted me to be Fortunately, i was in many ways who she wanted me to be uh but mostly from the eyebrows up She's smart and clever, I'm smart and clever. We can be smart and clever together. We hung at museums, we read books, we uh, went to intellectual movies, and I did all of that stuff from a fairly young age. I'm too smart for my own good. I'm one of those people. You know, they sometimes say that you, can be, you can't be too dumb for the program, you can't be too smart for the program. And it's been the thing I've been trying to tamp down ever since I walked into 12-step programs, and I'm getting better at it getting better at it um but um so i lived in new york city my whole life developed what happens to people who are raised by narcissists is one of two things we either implode and can get suicidal later or homicidal or we explode and latch on to many 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 other people who will take care of us so i did the latter and i developed a uh coterie of friends some of them real sincere friends some of them real people who care about me and who i care about um i ended up in not a traditional helping profession but a helping profession i help people do things that they care about mostly career related and um it worked it worked you know i never felt good about myself i really didn't feel good about myself uh my first long-term therapist says in my early 20s when i walked in there i said i don't remember it but she i'm sure she's not lying she said i said that i am my mother about four years later i said i'm not my mother i'm a lot nicer than my mother but you know so that's how effective the narcissist narcissist's childhood was and um what happened is that my husband who I married young and who loves me we'll get to the miracle part of that or not miracle part of that I hope before this ends but um you know it's um had a job that was worth moving for so I picked up thousands and thousands of relationships and left them. I didn't pick them up. I left behind thousands of relationships. Dozens of people who I really loved and who loved me. Hundreds of people who I cared about a lot and cared about me. And thousands of people who I knew and could always be with. So if I didn't feel good about myself, which was frequent, daily, it didn't matter. Because I would have to have breakfast or lunch or coffee or a business meeting with somebody and they would feel good about me, so I would feel good about me. It worked uh it really worked it worked for years uh until i moved to california and nobody felt good about me nobody felt bad about me nobody knew me you (laughs) know all of a sudden it was like i had to be with me and i don't like me this is not good so um i used the other substance to excess first i mean that program too and then i put that down after i was here a couple of years and uh surprise it's the old guacamole game yeah right so uh you put down one thing and the other thing pops up and i had over the years as a type 1 diabetic basically insulin is what helps you metabolize food and i don't have any of my own so if i didn't want to metabolize things i ate i didn't take the insulin it's a form of bulimia it's called diabulimia it's psychologically identical to my, to bulimia and um So, uh, I'd do it for a day or a half a day or a couple of days. But when I put down the other substance, I wanted to eat because I needed something. So, I then did it for longer periods, more intensely, and I got myself very, very sick. As I say, I was hospitalized in New Hampshire. Because I had been in the other program, um, I knew the steps. I... Know how to live like two ways anesthesia or steps and uh, you know uh, th- th- those are my choices um and i wish you the kind of desperation that makes those your own choices um i mean i assume you all like anesthesia you wouldn't be here and i hope you like steps uh so um what um happened is that i curled up in a fetal position in this hospital bed step one no problem i was there I was I had almost killed myself and not wanted to. So step one, I got a problem. Uh steps two and three I am doing in that fetal position hoping that I can be restored to sanity, hoping that there's something other than me that can restore me to sanity because I wasn't doing a very good job. I thought it was more important to be thin than it was to be alive. Mm -hmm. I mean not consciously I didn't think that, but I was not wanting to metabolize my food and had made myself so sick that a doctor could say, I don't know if she'll make it for the next 24 hours. And again, it was one of those kind of eyebrows up intellectual things that in retrospect, it actually doesn't matter. I think I was sure I was going to make it. I might have been wrong. The doctor is the doctor. I wasn't. You know, I was just the patient. So in fact, I shouldn't be too smart. Maybe my confidence that I was going to make it was wrong. And, um, doing step three, uh, you know, had to turn it over. I had heard of Overeaters Anonymous. I had never been to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. um, And when I returned to California from New Hampshire, got out of the hospital, picked up a little bit at the end of that vacation and came back, I called central members days day we had a call. And um, I called, I think they sent me a meeting list. They sent me a meeting list. Uh, I went to my first meeting on Hiroshima Day, I don't think that's an accident, <laughs> in, in 2001, August 6, 2001. Um, and um, I walked in a bit late because I couldn't find it it's the meeting on Hill Street and it's not obscure I just had never been to that particular part of Santa Monica before uh, so I was the one who raised my hand because I didn't have any newcomers arrived at the start of the meeting yes uh, I was not struck abstinent I was not struck abstinent I um, I was struck willing uh, but not willing to go to anyone's you know, and I do believe that half measures avail us nothing in terms of complete recovery. I don't believe half measures avail us absolutely nothing. My physical health from that moment on was substantially better than it had been. It is now better than it's been maybe ever, but except pre-diabetic. but uh, you know, but it's um, i wasn't I wasn't entirely willing. during my first four or five months. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm misspeaking. Uh, During my first couple of years, I got days or weeks or months of abstinence. I was defining my abstinence at that point with the help of a sponsor as three meals a day, perhaps a snack, and anything that's needed for blood sugar. I always carry raisins. I mean, obviously, that's like medicine. So, um, but um, I couldn't do that for more than seven months at the most. It just wasn't how i worked um i'd like to have a different food plan than i have i will get to my current absence because i would like to do some in between but about well actually i'll be i'll be seven years abstinent abstinent in october so i know how exactly when uh almost seven years ago um had a sponsor who's actually in this room who's not my sponsor anymore but with a lot of love said why don't you find something uh that uh you can keep i'm gonna and i said that's a good idea you know um and um so what my current abstinence is is a real bulimic abstinence if i eat it i metabolize it most of the time i mean really most of the time like 95 percent or more of the time i eat a healthy diet, diabetic type one diet but I'm not telling you I don't have a sandwich with two pieces of bread. I'm not telling you that occasionally there won't be ice cream in the house and I'll go decide to have half a pint. I mean, that's probably every third year, but it's not never. You know, I wish it was never, but it's not never. If I eat it, I metabolize it. If I eat it, I take insulin for it. And there are certain things you cannot take insulin in any regulated fashion, for like the half kind of ice blood sugar. So, when I do that, I'm sick, but I'm not trying to purposely run high blood sugars to be thin like I used to. And that was its own kind of serious mental illness. Uh, so, um, moving on in the steps, because there's not that much time left. Uh, so, I burned out about four or five sponsors in the first <laughs> four or
1: five <laughs> um
0: i mean i burned them out in ways of not actually overusing them uh they got annoyed with me because I was underusing them you know um i have a sponsor in my other programs i'm in two and um one sponsor for both of those and i had enough i had psychotherapy and i didn't really want to look at the food stuff so. So after I changed my abstinence, I got a sponsor who I love and who we still love each other. She ended up leaving town. So that that one didn't work, but that's the person I did my fourth step with and my OA fourth step. And um, I did two interesting kind of OA fourth steps. There was another sponsor who I had for like four months, but it was an interesting experience. She's, she's great, I haven't seen her lately. Oh, she's still here. And so in chronological order, uh, the first fourth step I wrote down to the people and situations and institutions I resented, and there weren't very many, and she said, there's got to be more than this. There has to be more than this. I said, there really isn't. I've worked through a lot of them. I believe and when I want to have sponsees. I believe if it's not current, you know, we don't have to work on it. And uh, she said, well, write down everybody you're annoyed with. I said, that's a big list. That's a big list. So, there were a lot of people, mostly, in some situations that were on that list. That was an interesting exercise. And then the person who moved away had me do the ACA, the Adult Children of Alcoholics Sports Death, which is basically a narrative biography. I don't believe in them, but it was very helpful because that way, I don't believe in them as necessary is a better way to put it. I believe in them. But she got to know me backwards and forwards from the moment I was born. And having somebody in program, knowing it took me about, a year to write it. It is very long. I think there are like 140 questions, and if you answer them properly, it could take you a year. And I remember sitting in a rental apartment in Paris on a computer doing it. I mean, I, I could I could tell you places I did it, and um, that was that was a big deal because I looked at my story, and it all boils down to, you know, what do we hear what do we hear about we hear about fear? What do we hear about? and all it all boils down to i am terrified of some things and afraid of many things you know so um mostly i'm terrified of you know not being good enough of not being worthy when i said i want to talk about the miracle or not miracle of my husband loving me as much as he does And this has been a profound change for me in the last several years, perhaps by coincidence, but I don't think so, in really getting centered in my various addictions. And this was the final frontier. Um, Although I'd like to get more settled. As I said, I'd like to have a food plan that never has me doing things, but for the moment that's a little too ambitious. So so it used to – I never doubted that I had people who cared about me. I could see it. I could see it in their faces. I could see it in their actions. And, you know, uh, I just thought it was a miracle. I was lucky. I had miracles. People who have miracles are extremely lucky. But that didn't mean I deserved it it didn't mean that one day they'd wake up and figure it out i mean my husband and i've been married 35 years this past june and i have friends who have had that long. i have family members so I, my mother's not among them that's the problem right i mean she does say she says she loves me but when in a joint psychotherapy session many years ago she was asked why she loved me the first word out of her mouth was smart so that's the problem right and uh you know so um what um you know It has seemed like less of a miracle, and it has seemed more like just the way the universe works. You know, I know that I love many of you in this room. I know that I love many people outside of these rooms. But more importantly, those of us who understand that level of fear, we're not the only ones, by the way. I think you're lucky if you've got an addiction. I think if you've got an addiction, what you have is a way out of that level of fear. What I have is a way out of that level of fear. Uh, I don't believe in a creative, intelligence God. Uh, I begin most mornings, right now, I've got a medical condition that has been not doing this for a few weeks, but I begin most mornings on my knees, praying to a power I don't believe in. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> that, you know, that, that, that that doesn't matter. I It centers me. It centers me with the universe. It centers me with myself. Um, my in-laws moved in with us for many, many, many years. My mother-in-law died this December will be two years. Her husband had died, I guess about two and a half, three years before that. But it is no surprise. Uh, my uh, husband married his mother. and so she and I have almost had, she said, almost identical character failings. So she drove me wild. She drove me wild. I mean, she thank you. She drove me crazy. And uh so right out of freedom from violence, right? I prayed for her every morning on my knees for her to get everything I would want for myself. It didn't take two weeks. It says it takes two weeks. In her case, it took five months. But,
1: <laughs>
0: but and she's a good person. I'm a good person. It's just that we're mirrored to each other. Psychologically, we have a lot of different personalities and stuff. But, you know. And um, that means that five months out of about, other than five months out of about ten years, I love that woman. That was a big deal. I would not have gotten that except for the book. Um, When I sponsor people, and I do sponsor people, uh, none of my sponsees are in this room right now, uh, but I sponsor three people in L.A., and um, I work food with them a little bit because I do think it's about food. I think it's often about food, but my food is so peculiar that I don't feel able to work food with people. I may get there, I work the steps. In fact, my most recent sponsee who was going to be here, but she had to be in San Diego at noon and that wasn't gonna work, um, came up to me one day. Uh, I know her through a social group I'm in and she knows that I'm in OA. And she said, would you sponsor me? I said, I don't, she said, I have a sponsor. I I said, I don't know, Uh, you know, here's how I sponsor. You gotta work the steps and you gotta work them hard. And we have to really do assignments. Uh, she's great. You know, I mean, my step one assignment, if any of you are feeling new or can nobody raised their hand that's actually new, is I want at least three, and ideally no more than say 10, because they all end up looking identical. Uh, stories about moments where food absolutely destroyed something in your life my closest personal one is um there's a woman i work for with that's a strange line in that case but um who i liked and who adored her father her father died and not suddenly not you know but he was an old man but she loved him and he died i went to the funeral and then i didn't go to the house of mourning because i thought the burger came instead you know i mean i wanted to be there and support her and i didn't i made amends to her many years later and she said bloody i mean you know i'm sure there were she was in sorrow there were you know enough people in her home but i made amends we make the amends for ourselves uh you know if we're forgiven which we usually but not always are that's a plus but it's just a plus um so 10 11 and 12 um I heard a great share on Ken the other day, um, which I never focused on this being the primary aspect of Ken and it seemed right. I haven't investigated it enough to know if it's right, but I'll pass it on anyway, which is that uh, what Ken is about is having the ability to observe yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, That if we can actually see what we're doing, see what we're thinking, see you know what we're feeling that the rest of it will fall into place that 10 is about giving up denial and on a daily basis i mean maybe we gave up denial earlier but giving up denial on a daily basis so i hope i've helped somebody here and uh, i thank you This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing of this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Because of the recording glitch today, I will be certain to repeat the questions because your voice will not be heard. Uh, So... uh, Diane? Thank you very much, Casey.
1: Could you speak a bit how you do a ten step today?
0: Could I speak about how I do a ten step today? Yes. Um, I think well, there are two parts to the ten step, and I'll speak about them both. Um, the first part is when I am wrong, promptly admit it. Uh, is um, I um, I try to know when I'm wrong. I try to know when I've done something that I shouldn't have done. Uh, I occasionally get paranoid uh, and have to check it out with somebody else that I'm not sure, but usually I know. Um, and I went to, uh, if it's somebody I know well, I can get in touch with that person and say, I'm sorry, I, not even I'm sorry, I don't believe in I'm sorry, I believe I was wrong. I think there's a big difference. Uh, I was wrong to have done this, uh, and, um, you know, I won't do it again. Is there anything else I should know? It's a, like a traditional night step uh on the uh, inventory, I do inventory spotty. Um I um do write gratitude lists when I'm particularly ungrateful. I've been instructed to write daily gratitude lists uh I don't uh but uh that's probably how I do my best step. Thank you, yeah. Um, you said you've been married for over 37 years how does your relationship look Uh, how does my marriage look different in abstinence and by the way it's interesting if i said 37 we've been together 37 we married 35 so that's a good 40 but uh you know um it's much more sincere it's much more sincere in abstinence. Uh, I don't hide anything anymore. Here's a funny story, and uh, you know, then, then we'll move on. After I was, I was not, did not yet have my current abstinence, but I was in one of those long-ish for me, weeks or months periods of abstinence in the beginning of the program. And some friends came over with one of those uh, Victor Benish alligator things. And um, a lot of it was left in a box. We had a dog who was a compulsive o reader. My experience is most dogs most dogs are compulsive o readers, like the one I have now is not, but most dogs. And uh so the kitchen door was open, the dog ate all that stuff and the next morning I got up went saw that, went into my husband and said, If you were planning on having that breakfast, he's a total warmy. Uh, I said the dog ate it I was so happy that I was telling the truth <laughs> I was I, was, I was besides myself with joy <laughs> uh, it, it's much more sincere yes yeah. um,
1: yeah. um, you talked about
0: your issues in loving other people how what was the road to an obstacle to loving yourself uh, I still have a heart issue time loving myself um but what i i do in the worst of those moments do affirmations i mm-hmm. the worst of those moments might be three or four times a year but i my my sponsor my other program when i get really down makes me do this he says i want you to write a list of all the things that are good about yourself and um yeah i could i could go on for a bit you know um so that's that's what i do thank you
1: Thank you, Casey. good to hear you. Um, so, your mom, talk uh, about some work that you've done in the program around your mom and if there's any residual resentment. you want to get rid of it and what can you do with mm. it?
0: Relationship with my mother, who is the only living parent still, and if there's residual resentment and how to get rid of it. Um, well, let me start by saying that I was supposed to be on a plane to visit my mother who lives in south florida you know old jews go the west coast old Boston, the, i mean the east coast Boston, West Coast. but uh you know she's there i'm supposed to be on a plane to see her next week uh by having a large dog sit on my lap for hours i developed fobitis so i don't know if that was conscious or subconscious but i can't get on that plane so um and uh i'll be there in september ish is my guess but um what um i just come to it's acceptance it's acceptance I'm not convinced I love her any more or any less than I've loved her for a long time but I it's a real al program with her I mean it's uh you know it's you know we least love uh, if I didn't release her control over me, I was going to be in big trouble. So I had to release that, and now she and I are friends. Unfortunately, we were always, or maybe fortunately, we were always friends. But I wanted more. Now I want, don't want more. It's her so thanks. Uh,
1: so
0: why do you like LifeLine? Why do I like the LifeLine pitches so much? Uh, because I think there's wisdom in LifeLine, and although I've heard it from a few others in their LifeLine pitches, I don't hear it that often. I always try to find at the most say four sentences, one, two, three sentences to read from Lifeline. Um mm-hmm. I also really believe maybe this is just my way of caring about people. You know, my parents by the way were die hard, both of them, you know, activists, political people. I mean I was raised in the civil rights movement. It had nothing to do with me, it just had to do with wanting to do the right thing for the world and uh so um what um you know i do believe that likewise crucial to people who don't have as many meetings as we do yeah following up on your question about
1: your mother um how that's how you're dealing with now. how did you deal with the child with memories and the narcissism and the things that really affected you and shaped you uh
0: with a lot of work uh with a um Three programs, um, psychotherapy with various therapists, including one I'm in now. About seven years ago, I did the psychoanalysis book you know. And oh, if anybody else is qualified as having a major eating disorder, which I don't know if there's compulsive reading counts in the, in the law, it might. But certainly bulimia does, which I have. You've got a parity diagnosis. So I've got my psychoanalysis pretty much paid for by my insurance company. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, uh, and work. It's work. It's uh, not easy. And by the way, I have found, and a few of you have it, trolling the Internet one night for narcissistic people. No, I mean, not looking for narcissistic people. Writing for
1: writing. <laughs> <laughs> I found I
0: found what I think is the best bar none long article about narcissism. It reads like somebody's PhD thesis. So I don't know if it was, but I'm willing to share that with anybody who wants to give me their email address. It's fabulous. So, Carol. Um, thanks, Casey, for your share. Can you talk a little bit about working program around anxieties? You really struggle How do I work? out my feelings of anxiety and program I struggle with it a lot uh my husband used to joke that uh it was my job to worry about nuclear holocaust and he would take care of most of the rest <laughs> but, <laughs> you know,
1: it was, uh,
0: but I do I may be raised in the family I was raised but I do worry about things like nuclear holocaust not to mention whether I will be okay at this speaking engagement right so it's very really, it's a big gap there. <laughs> you know and um I, uh, I've learned to pause, i learned to reach out. When I was nervous about this, speaking here this morning, I called my sponsor, we did get a chance to speak very briefly. I called one of my dearest, dearest friends who's in my two other programs, but he's in a few others too. And he called back, we didn't connect easily, but I said, I wanna pray with you on the phone. Well, I didn't pray with him on the phone, I prayed by myself because he didn't get to me in time mm-hmm. or adequately at full static. But, uh, you know, but I pray. I'm an atheist. I pray. You know, um, that's, uh, and sometimes you just have to wait it out. I uh, was prescribed an anti anxiety medication that I should take on occasion. Well, my version of occasion has become almost never. I mean, uh, so uh, the last time I took it, I think, was when my daughter quite well, I didn't even discuss, but that's another story. My daughter uh, was going to be quite late for her grandmother, my mother-in-law's funeral, because she was like doing something else. So I think that's the last time I took one of those films. So. <laughs> Sandy? Can you talk about your relationship with a power greater than yourself, seeing um, that you said you're somewhat of an atheist and how that evolved? How does this me, my atheistic You know self uh come to a power greater than myself i do believe we're all interconnected i really do i i hope it's not too scientific for you but i get comfort in the fact that the oxygen atom in me in a billion years might be the oxygen atom in the planet neptune i mean uh you know that does give me some kind of safety of believing we're all interconnected i don't think it's all beautiful you know, the only two people who God ever actually spoke to in the Old Testament both got majorly messed up.
1: <laughs>
0: you
1: know, uh, you know, I,
0: I, I, Job is one of my heroes. One of the physical things I suffered with as a result of my diabetes, there are a lot of stories there, was that because my blood sugars were so high, I developed uh, some bad boils in France and I was tortured literally in a parasol, hospital, they salt on them and squeezed, and I was screaming, it was gone with the wind. But,
1: um, but it's, um, you know, but
0: I, when I got done, I read where boils were in uh, the, the plates. You know, they're about the middle. Uh, but, I uh, guess six, I think. But you'll correct me next week if I'm more, or I'll correct myself. But how, I, I believe in interconnectedness, it's not always enough. But because I have a lot of people in my life, the people are usually reminders of just how interconnected yes, how
1: siblings? Yes, so how siblings? oh i
0: don't have any siblings it would have been helpful <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'd be happy to talk about service uh i have in these rooms these oa rooms not this room in particular although we talked about lifeline but um, I've been secretary, I've been treasurer, I've been like mine. Uh, most recently, I was involved with the Region 2 Convention where Nick and I co-chaired the newcomer and Pamela was uh, running the thing. Um, and other people, we have Diane and Jack here. Um, it's, it's a reminder to me that whenever I think I can get on my high horse and believe that I am not a part of the spirit of every brand new newcomer who walks in this room. That's one or five? Is that one or 5, five. uh Five. We're not part of the spirit of every brand new newcomer. It reminds me that I am a newcomer, that I'm the person who said, you when asked, has anybody come into the room since the meeting began, that I am that person and I am that person daily. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. Um, tell us about your daughter. Do you have other children? Just one? I have one daughter, two granddaughters. Uh, my daughter is. Uh, my daughter. are your relationship. With your well, but I'm going to tell you about my relationship with my daughter by telling you about how she relates to my disease. For years, as I say, I was not taking good care of my health uh, before I moved to California, on and off, but. You know not as badly as almost died but badly enough that it wasn't good and um I am well I shouldn't say I know I was fertile during my fertile years and not anymore but I knew I I know I was fertile during my fertile years and I chose to adopt because I didn't want to go through I said I didn't want to go through a diabetic pregnancy That was not true. I have lots of friends, mostly in my diabetic support group who have children who have gone through the diabetic pregnancy. I didn't want to go through my diabetic pregnancy because I was taking such bad care of myself that I would have given birth to a possible vegetable. So, um, So one of the things I lost from my disease is having a birth child. One of the things she gained from my disease is being adopted by us. We were pretty good parents. But uh, what happened is that there are sometimes in birth families too, but often in adopted families, just kind of mismatches. And um, I don't know how much you know about adoption, it's a long conversation, but we're a mismatch. And uh, we tried hard and she is somebody who I don't quite understand. She is clinically depressed, not totally out of life, but clinically depressed on meds uh she's got two husbands and two children our older granddaughters the one we're closest to uh with the first husband and she doesn't see that child anymore she just doesn't see that job uh we see that child often she's as my husband put it she's ready to she did a do-over new husband new baby and it's very heartbreaking to me another alan on issue so then. are we done two minutes, two minutes. Two minutes. i'll take repeats <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you so much um, you talked about your mom your first words trying to be smart um, do you find that judgment comes up in you and for other people that I do, do? do i care about whether people are smart is that what you're asking um i care but not in a heartfelt way it took many, many years, but in my 20s, I got this one. It wasn't many years, like, recently. I don't think smart's smart to virtue. I think it's a tool. There are many smart, evil people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a good tool. I'm happy I have it. I may not always have it. I don't know. My mother's in her older years, going, uh, well, actually, she's an alcoholic, so she's got, um, you know, uh, what is that? Korsakoff syndrome. It's like Alzheimer's, but a little it doesn't get as severe and uh but uh what i notice i guess that's the best way to put it i notice, and when people aren't smart then i just you know have an easier time automatically first off the bat talking to those people from my heart you know, if I can't talk to you about, you know, intellectual literature or politics, it's actually better for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about having uh, a vast number of friends. Do you have uh, a handful of people who you can really open up and be intimate with? Yes, yes. It's not. It's by saying vast number. Uh, I have never counted. I probably should. I probably should hit my gratitude list, but I should figure out who I can really tell anything to. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's five or six, and that's a lot. I think that's a lot. And my husband's on the list I'm <laughs> happy to say. Mm-hmm. So thank you.
1: You said if you were in other twelve step programs, how do you work balance your steps out between programs and programs?
0: How do I how do I divide programs? Uh, because I know we're running out of time. This is what I say often, but probably not in your presence before the credits don't transfer. The study habits help, and uh, the study habits do help. Uh, I, um, I, now, okay. I go to when I'm in LA, which is much of the time. I go to probably about 10 or 11 meetings a week among the three programs. When I pick up commitments in one or the other or the third of the programs, I make sure not to overly. Book commitments in one program, or else I won't get to the other ones. Because I try to get my meetings done in the morning. You will almost never see me at an evening meeting unless I've been asked to share, you know, speak, to lead. Um, so if I'm going to be done, this is the latest I ever get done. I get done on Saturdays and Sundays at ten. But I go—I'm a morning person, so I go to a seven to eight a.m. meeting or a seven thirty to eight thirty a.m. meeting almost every day. Yeah. Okay. You yeah.